Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening your eyes to a new view of life. I'm McKay Christensen, and I'm excited you joined us today. You know, in the midst of this holiday season, I want you to know how grateful I am for you. And I hope this season is a season of joy and giving for you. And it's in that spirit that we do this podcast. This podcast is born of the desire to share a new perspective, to give a few suggestions to help us see what we might not otherwise see, because we all need a little help to open our eyes to new ways of thinking and living. So hopefully today in this time together, we will get a new perspective of how to think and live a little better. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about the gift of choice. In 1943, Philip Stern wanted to give a gift to the U.S. servicemen and women who were serving in World War II. So he became the manager of the Armed Services Editions. In this role, he resized popular books so they could fit into the pockets of military uniforms. Stern would edit and compile hundreds of these books. You see, he felt that the war was taking its toll emotionally and mentally on those who were serving. And for years, he labored in his giving and editing. And during this inspired time of his life, on a February morning, he woke up with a story in his mind. He had had a dream the night before that inspired him. His dream was reminiscent of the Charles Dickens novel, A Christmas Carol. And the story was about a man named George who lived during the war. He was laboring at home alone and was so dissatisfied with his life that he contemplated suicide. He stood on a bridge on a Christmas Eve preparing to jump when he was approached by a strange man with a bag. They struck up a conversation, and in that conversation, George told the man that he wished he had never been born. Strangely, the man tells George that his wish is to be granted, and George returns to his town and discovers that no one knows him. And as a result of his not being born, his friends have taken a different course in life. His little brother, whom he saved from drowning in a swimming accident, died because George wasn't there to rescue him. And George finds his wife, but she's married to someone else. And he finds one circumstance after another that is affected by his absence. So George returns to the bridge and questions the strange man. And the man explains that George had forgotten the greatest gift of all, the gift of life. And George opens his eyes to what he has been given, his life, and begs the man to allow him to return to his life. The man agrees, and George returns home more grateful, more deliberate, and finds everything restored to the way it was before. He hugs his wife and tells her that he thought he'd lost her. And he begins to live more grateful for his life and in a different way than he had ever lived before. And I think that sometimes, like George, we forget that our life is a gift, and we fail to see things as they really are, that by our choices, we can impact the world in amazing ways. Now, Stern would publish this 4,100-word story entitled The Greatest Gift in a Christmas card that he gave to his friends that year. And he thought that was the end of it. However, the story came to the attention of RKO Pictures and the actor, Cary Grant, who loved the story. So they bought the rights to the story for $10,000, but it was never produced. 
Then RKO sold the rights for the story for the same $10,000 to Frank Capra. Now, Capra had done famous films such as Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And Capra and a collection of writers would turn this story into a three-act screenplay called It's a Wonderful Life. In its film debut, the box office sales were only $6.3 million. However, the film was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and it is considered by the American Film Institute as one of the greatest movies of all time. Now, many offshoot stories and characters have come about because of the movie. Perhaps the most famous is that Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street are rumored to be named after Bert the cop and Ernie the cab driver in the movie. There's this famous line by James Stewart in which he says, Bert, Ernie, what's the matter with you two guys? You were here on my wedding night. Regardless, It's a Wonderful Life is still one of the most played holiday movies every year. And it has set record after record in terms of the number of television showings as well. No doubt you've seen it this year already. And experts and critics have, over the years, opined on why It's a Wonderful Life was such a success and why it has stood the test of time. Well, here's what I believe. The story, the original story entitled The Greatest Gift, was spot on. That's why it was such a success, because deep down, we know, we sense that our life is a gift. It is both the greatest gift we've been given and the greatest gift we have to give. And no doubt, we all wonder what it would be like if we hadn't been born. Have we made a difference? Would we be missed at all? So just for a minute, think about what would not exist if you had not been born. Your children, friendships, a home that you've built, a scrapbook you've assembled, the confidence held by your friend because you believed in them, the faith of your team, your business, and so many other things may come to mind. You see, a person who treats their life as a gift is anxious to use it for good. So here we are in the middle of this holiday season, thinking about and preparing to give gifts to other people. And while most gifts won't last, one gift, your life and the choices you make, can bless others for years to come. But the problem is we tend to forget why we are here on this earth. We get caught up in the day-to-day -day of things and in the selfish pursuit of bringing more to ourselves. And at other times, we just get weary in the difficulties that life seems to send our way. And we may even want to be a giver, but let's face it, raising kids and building a business and providing a living and all the other demands on our life can rob you of any ability or desire to give. And now and then, we need a reminder, like George Bailey, that we do make a difference. Not long ago, People Magazine stopped by to do a story on the Morales family. Jessica her husband Danny, and their two children gave the magazine reporters a look into their life. You see, Jessica almost lost her life as a young toddler. And she said, had I not survived, none of this, pointing to her home and family, would have ever been. Jessica's parents were Sissy and Chip McClure. They lived in Midland, Texas, and the McClures had fallen on hard times because the oil crisis in the late 1980s had shut down most of the oil wells in Texas. 
And the first 18 months of baby Jessica's life passed like any other baby in their small Texas town. Then, on the morning of Wednesday, October 14th, Jessica suddenly became the most famous child in the country. Jessica's aunt, Jamie Moore, ran a daycare center out of her home, where that morning Jessica was playing with four children in the backyard under the supervision of her mother, Sissy, who made the unfortunate choice to run inside to answer a phone call, leaving the children momentarily unattended. Minutes later, she heard the kids screaming outside and rushed out to find that her daughter had disappeared. She searched frantically, but couldn't find her. Then she heard her baby crying from somewhere in the ground. And what she discovered was baby Jessica had fallen into an eight-inch diameter well, a pipe, and had become trapped far underground. Her first thought was, how did her baby fall into such a narrow pipe, and how far down had she fallen? Well, how she fell into the well remains a mystery even today. According to her mother, the opening had been covered by a heavy rock to prevent such an accident. I didn't know what to do, Sissy later recalled. I just ran in and called the police, and they were there within just a few minutes. But it felt like a lifetime. What they soon learned was that baby Jessica was trapped 22 feet below ground, and she was stuck in the well with one leg pinned up against her chest and face— and the other pointing downward, indicating that she stepped into the well with one leg and fell straight down. Now the town went to work immediately, pumping oxygen into the pipe, trying to find ways to keep Jessica warm, and most of all, figuring out how to get to her and keep her from sinking further into the ground. They couldn't dig with a backhoe for fear of the pipe collapsing or the movement of the ground causing her to fall further into the well. And because she'd fallen so deep into the earth, they now had to deal with layers and layers of rock harder than granite. Using a large rat hole rig, a machine normally used to dig different diameter holes for drilling well equipment, the rescue team drilled a 30-inch wide, 29-foot deep hole parallel to the well. Now, if the accident had occurred anywhere but in oil country, the rat hole rig may not have been available, but it was in Midland, Texas. And once the hole was dug, the crews then began the difficult process of drilling a horizontal tunnel between the two wells about two feet below where baby Jessica was trapped. The problem was it took an extremely long time to make all of this happen. By the time they drilled the parallel hole, Jessica had been in the well for over 50 hours. She had stopped crying and making sounds. In fact, they heard nothing from her at all for several hours. Now, this entire rescue ordeal was covered live on CNN, the nation's first and at that time only 24-hour news network. And for only the second time in American history, the first being the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger, the entire nation watched literally around the clock as this dramatic news story unfolded live on television. Now, with the parallel tunnel dug and the connecting tunnel ready, paramedic Robert O'Donnell inched his way 22 feet down the 30-inch hole and reached through the connecting tunnel and wrestled Jessica free from her position pinned inside the well and brought her up to safety. Jessica lost a toe due to gangrene, 
and still has a scar on her forehead, but she's grateful for the gift of life. And so much has happened to her in the 30-plus years since that day. During the ordeal, donations that totaled in the hundreds of thousands of dollars were set aside in a trust fund for Jessica to inherit at the age of 25. And the fund has about $800,000 in it, which she's saving for her kids' education. And while the trust fund is a godsend, the greatest gift, she says, is the second chance at life and the family she and Danny have built together. Now, here's what I learned from both Jessica and George Bailey, and it's this. I believe the greatest gift you can give your family and the world is a healthy you. Because when you're at your best, you are remarkable. And it's impossible to give what you don't feel like you can give. That's why you need to be the best, healthiest you possible. Now, you might be saying, really, McKay, in this holiday season, you're telling me to focus on being the healthiest version of myself? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying the best gift you can give to those around you in 2022 is a healthy you. You know as well as I do that when you're unhealthy, you can't be or give what you should. If you're emotionally unhealthy, you can't give your time, patience, and inspiration to others. If you're mentally unhealthy, it's almost impossible to have the strength to persevere and lead. If you're spiritually unhealthy, you can't inspire, uplift, or be the example that you want to be. And of course, if you're physically unhealthy, it robs you of your ability to feel like or have the strength to give. So the question is, how do you find the healthy you. Well, this has to do with one of the greatest gifts that God has given to you. Do you know what that gift is? Well, of course, your life and your family, those are great gifts. But it isn't what I'm talking about. There's a gift that He has given you that makes all the difference in your emotional, mental, and physical health. You see, there is one gift that God gave to us that He really can't take away, and it's our ability to choose. The freedom of choice, that free will is ours to be used and given the way we see fit. And it is the correct use of this gift, the gift of choice, that can help us be healthy emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. So then, how do we learn to choose better? Well, the funny thing is that when you open your eyes to the fact that you can choose, everything changes. Let me give you a simple example. Years ago, Ford came out with the renewed Mustang. It was a reintroduction of the Mustang of the 1960s that made it so famous. And the most fun feature of the car was this rumbling sound that the engine made. It was not really the engine or the exhaust, but a computer-generated sound, but it sounded amazing. So I traded in a car and purchased a Mustang. And while I was out of the country on business, my wife drove the car and accidentally left the keys in the car overnight. And during the night, two young men broke into our garage and stole the car. And they were careful to open and shut the garage door quietly. And they pushed the car into the street before starting it and took the car without anyone noticing. Well, the next day, my wife noticed the car was gone. And the neighbor's garage had also been broken into. And she soon learned that it was stolen. The police were notified, and for a day or two, we heard nothing from the police. Then the car was found abandoned in a field, and it was beat up, and it had been driven off-road and damaged. 
Well, we were both upset. We were scheduled to leave that day on a vacation. And I was upset because I love cars and the car was brand new. And she was upset because she had been busy with the children uh, that day and had left the keys in the car, making it an easy target for the boys sneaking into our garage. And as we talked, we came to a healthy conclusion. We had a choice. We could be unhappy because our car was stolen and damaged, or we could be happy. Either way, we had a stolen and damaged car. Now, this was a profound lesson for me at the time. I learned that I could choose my response. Either way, I had a stolen car, but one choice made us healthy and able to be with our kids in the right frame of mind, and the other didn't. As Thoreau said, the price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. And we chose not to give the theft of our car any more of our life or thinking. You see, choices make all the difference in life. When you choose in favor of a healthy you, you are better equipped to be a gift to those around you. So how do you begin to make choices that lead to a healthy you? Well, it all starts with a mental shift. Imagine that. A shift to stop chasing happiness and start choosing to live in happiness. As Nat Han said, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And what he's saying is, when we're always looking for the right person or the next job or more money or whatever we think is going to bring us happiness, we lose sight of what is right in front of us. And seeing what is in front of us is a choice. All the beautiful, wonderful, magical moments we experience each day are happiness. The laughter shared with a friend, the last brownie in the pan, a hug and smile for your children, the ability to listen to this podcast on a phone that has the power to access almost any piece of information ever known to man. There is so much to be grateful for in this life. And even though we all have our struggles, we can still choose to be happy. One of my favorite lines from movies comes from the 2003 movie, Freaky Friday, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and a still innocent looking Lindsay Lohan. It happens early in a scene between the mother and teenager. That morning before they switch bodies on the daughter's way out the door for the day, the mother cheerfully calls out to her moody teenager, make good choices. And here's something that I've learned about making good choices. Good choices are not perfect choices. In fact, in life, we rarely get to make perfect choices. I wish every choice was obvious, but they rarely are. Most of the time, we have to choose among options that are good, better, or best. And the reason that this is, is that more is often expected of us than we can possibly do. And just because something is good isn't sufficient reason for us to choose that thing. We often must say no to good things because we don't have the time or resources to do everything. I've learned that for me to be the most healthy, I can't do everything good. And if I do the best things exceptionally well, then I am more satisfied and living in the direction I want to live. You learn this lesson when raising kids. For example, our family decided that Sunday was a day set aside for church and rest and family time. This day is essential to being healthy, and it gives time to talk, to read, to sleep, and to have dinner together, which doesn't happen for us very often. And with every one of our children, at one time or another, 
They would come to us and tell us that their dance team or soccer team was playing on Sunday, or their friends were going to the lake and going to wakeboard and have fun. And these are all good things. Team sports are good. Wakeboarding and play is really good. But we left this choice to our kids. And thankfully, for the most part, they chose to stick with a practice in their life that helped them to be more healthy and happy on Sundays. Now, if you have to choose, choose what makes you healthier. Not what's easier, but healthier. You see, we have to make these choices throughout life. In my life, I've worked in environments that weren't healthy for me. And sometimes I had more foes than friends. And I had people I had to work with that were unhealthy people. And for me, I had to choose. And in a few instances, I had to seek a new work environment that was healthy. Now, most choices aren't to this extreme where you have to choose a new company or a place to work. But most choices require that we leave a few good things behind. As Winnie the Pooh said, I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. And when we desire change of any kind in our lives, it most often requires a different type of thinking and choosing that differ from the ones that led you to your current state. So if you're striving for a happier, healthier life, you may have to walk away from the habits and behaviors causing discontent. You may have to leave behind the excuses for poor eating, for example, You have to literally and figuratively get off the couch, so to speak. And no one claims that these choices are easy or these things are easy, but they're absolutely worth it. And when it comes to imperfect choices, I've also learned that you don't have to be perfect in those choices. For example, let's say you choose to give up eating fast food. There's just too many calories in fast food and it leaves you unhealthy and you want to feel full of energy so you can be your best self. But this may be an extremely hard thing for you to do. So maybe your choice is not to quit eating fast food altogether, but just to eat significantly less of it. That choice allows you to be more healthy, even though it's not a perfect choice. And here's another important thing I've learned about choices. We get to choose our frame of reference. Our frame of reference often determines our health. For example, when training for marathons, I used to run, I don't know, 60 miles a week. And then when I would get injured, I would get depressed and unhappy because I could only run a few miles. And my frame of reference was, why can't I run more? Today, I only run 20 or so miles a week. But after three surgeries and lots of times when I couldn't run, I am now happy when I can run. And my frame of reference is, I'm grateful for any day that I can run. You see, this is a sharp contrast to the days when I was so discouraged because I was injured and couldn't run, but it's because I have a new frame of reference. We can choose our frame of reference. Gym owner and workout coach Mark Zalmanoff says that when he's working out at his gym, every time he does a burpee, he looks to his left, and there on his left shoulder is tattooed the words, memento mori. Memento mori is an old Latin phrase of which the literal translation is Remember that you will die. He says it reminds him to ask, what if this was the last workout I was ever able to do? And this inspires him to give it his very best. Memento Mori. Think about all the people who wish they could have one more workout. Memento Mori. One day you literally won't be blessed to do this workout. He says, yep, in the middle of a most ridiculous number, 
of an often loathed exercise, the only push I really needed was knowing I'm going to die. And thankfully, it wasn't this day. And Lord willing, I have a few decades left to make good choices on this earth. And the truth is that we don't have unlimited time. So the choices we make here do echo in eternity. In the movie Gladiator, Russell Crowe, as the Roman general Maximus, addresses his troops before battle. And he tells them to imagine where they will be after the battle. Hold the line, he says. Stay with me. And if you find yourself alone riding in the green fields with the sun on your face, do not be troubled, for you are in heaven. Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Even if you don't believe in life after this life, you have to agree that choices have long-lasting consequences. And the small choices we make today, like ripples in a pond, carry on for a long time. When I was a young, struggling college student, like most students, I was struggling with my choice as to what major I should pursue. I'd come to college as an engineering student, but it just didn't feel right. I'd considered teaching and a few other options, and finally I settled on business. And in my first semester, I was taking a class required for my major. And it was a class with a wonderful professor. She was full of faith. And when I started her class, I wasn't very smart on the subject matter or good at much at all, for that matter. At one point in the semester, we were reviewing my work, and she told me, you're really good at this. You were meant to do this. And when she said that, something shot through my very being. I knew it was the right choice. And every time thereafter, when I struggled or a class got hard, I reflected back on that moment of inspiration about my choice. And I realized that that choice would set the direction for my life. So if choices ripple in the long term of our lives, then remember to choose wisely. Each small choice to exercise or forgive or to stick with it or to choose the best instead of the good will stay with us. You see, we mistakenly assume that each choice we make and each individual action we take is only affecting that particular moment or circumstance, but it isn't. The workout we skip, the core business tasks we procrastinate doing, the meeting we cancel, they're imperceptible and inconsequential to us today. But one day, they will accumulate to something that we don't like. Ultimately, we have a choice between the easy thing and the right thing. Next, remember that when you're trying to choose the right, remember you must stick to your choice. Choices have consequences, and one of those consequences is that you have to stick with it when things aren't easy or all that pleasurable. Started a new job and things aren't as expected? Started a new business and things are harder than you thought? Choose to stick with it. Having one of those days when you feel like throwing in the towel, the days when all your efforts to eat right, exercise consistently, and make good choices seem to be getting nowhere? Tired of your diet and you feel like, I'm going for a super deluxe bacon double cheeseburger and ice cream and no one can stop me? And you know if you do, the only person that you will hurt with your poor decision is you? So, stick with your choices. Do not get tired of doing the right thing. It's a commitment you make and to yourself to live a healthy life. And you know, to be a healthy you, you have to choose to eat better. 
we have to choose to keep after our goals. And like anything in life, consistency does have its rewards. You don't always feel like eating a salad or passing on the bread, but you make the right choice. And you don't always feel like working out, but you make the right choice because it's the right thing to do. And the truth is that we make choices and choices make history. You know, during World War II, a cartoonist named Theodore Gessel decided to lend his artistic skills to the Army. And for a number of years, he drew posters for the Treasury Department. And then he joined the Army as a captain and was commander in the Animation Department, where he wrote films that helped promote the war effort. And in the midst of this inspiring time serving his country, he also continued to write children's books. At one point during the holiday season, his wife was very ill, and he was worried that she wouldn't live much longer. And with this view of how precious life is, he was disappointed at the commercialization of Christmas that was going on all around him. So on December 26, he looked in the mirror and just felt, he said to himself, very Grinch-like. So he sat down and wrote a story quickly about the way he was feeling. The story was about a grouchy, solitary creature who tries to cancel Christmas by stealing Christmas gifts and decorations from the houses of the nearby town of Whoville. Miraculously, the Grinch realizes that Christmas isn't all about money and presents. You see, he disguises himself as Santa and travels down the mountain on a sleigh with his dog, Max. He steals all of the Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Then the Grinch takes his sleigh to the top of Mount Crumpet and prepares to dump all the stolen items into the abyss. But as dawn breaks, he expects to hear the Who's crying. But he's shocked to hear that they're singing a joyous Christmas song instead. He puzzles for a moment until he realizes that perhaps Christmas means a little bit more than just presents and feasting, causing his shrunken heart to suddenly grow three times larger. The reformed Grinch returns all the Who's presents and food and is allowed to take part in the Who's Christmas feast. Now, Dr. Seuss says that this story was, in fact, what was happening to him. During this very trying time in his life, he made the choice to be happy and grateful for the people in his life. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas was, in fact, a story about the choice that Dr. Seuss made to value people during the holidays. So as we end today, think about your choices this holiday season and decide to choose better. Decide to make choices that lead to a healthy you. Because when you're healthy, you can give the greatest gift of all, yourself. And just like George Bailey, who realized his life did matter, and with the help of an angel on the bridge who changed his view, so you can choose different this holiday. And like Jessica, God has given you this life to make good choices that will echo in eternity. So choose well and remember, memento mori. Remember that we only have one life and we can choose to live it well. And we can choose to give it to God, to our family, to things that will ripple in blessing the lives of other people. Every choice you make this season and in your life can lead to a more healthy and happy you. Well, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become. 